You busted your ass to get there. And most of us, most of us women who are in some of these rooms where we don't see ourselves, bitch, pat yourself on the back, right? And make sure that you bust your ass so you can get more of us in there. That's it. You're in there. You're in that room. Unlock that door. Welcome to Find Your Magic, the podcast where mental health and entrepreneurship meet. I am Kelsey Foremost, your host, resident word nerd, copywriting expert, award-winning marketer, and mental health advocate. I absolutely love talking about feelings, especially feelings about business, because so often, too often, we separate the two. We talk about just business and we are very buttoned up and professional people. Or we talk about our feelings and we're so into it and we swim around in it till our fingers get pruny. And, you know, we can kind of get lost in mindset soup. That's why I really love conversations like the one you are about to hear today, which really talks about two things. One that is more mental health, mindset, personal experience, vulnerability stuff. And then the other, which is really valuable ways for you to start thinking about user experience in your business and harnessing the power of AI. Two seemingly unrelated things that are bridged by talking about diversity. Diversity, as my guests will tell you, and as you will hear, is about so much more than race or ethnicity. In the words of Veronica Shelton, one of my guests today, diversity is also age, gender, sexual orientation, religion, location. There are so many different things that make us who we are, but also how we come to the table as a customer And starting to think about a diverse array of experiences of your ideal customer is really going to help you as a business, as an entrepreneur, really make people feel deeply seen and also like, oh my God, you're in my head, but also provide super clear actions for them to take so that they move seamlessly through your customer experience. So let's talk now about my actual guests, Hannah Ryu and Veronica Shelton, aka V. They are the co-founders behind the brand Oak Theory. Oak Theory is a women of color owned and operated design studio that specializes in user experience and the user interface. That can be for websites, application design, products, just thinking about how a user interfaces with a product and experiences a product. And V really gets into that in the second half of our conversation. So Hannah and V are two sought-after experts and women of color committed to breaking minority stereotypes within the tech space, while also bringing perspective of what appropriate diversity really looks like within the tech industry. And honestly, I think that this can, you know, every industry can take notes. We talk in the first half of the episode. The first half of the episode is really 
heavier on their personal experiences and diversity and feeling the power of feeling less alone, the importance of representation, especially in an industry that is traditionally, you know, the leadership is traditionally made up of cis white hetero men. Also, just like calling out, I am a cis white hetero woman. So, you know, definitely putting the spotlight on myself, putting myself in the hot seat. Also, and really, really grateful that both Hannah and Veronica are speaking with me about this topic today. So by combining deep user centricity, which means like you are really centering the experience of the user with effective design principles. So that's like, you know, the fancy design, branding, technology stuff. They help their clients grow their businesses and really benefit from authentic user-centered design that translates really well. Like you want something to be really pretty and simple when you sit down to interact with it. So their company, Oak Theory, is growing at a super rapid pace. They are inspiring sustainable change through action. They are walking the walk I couldn't be more thrilled to have Hannah and Veronica on the show today. And just as a note for the listener, again, the first half of this episode is really centered on personal experience. It's really centered on how Veronica and Hannah found each other and felt in their jobs earlier and what made them decide to combine their incredible powers and experiences to found their own company. And then the second half of this conversation is really heavy on the business stuff. It's heavy on advice for businesses and entrepreneurs on how you could start to center the user experience in order to elevate and grow your business. And then at the very end, we share a really, really special, really helpful, really inspiring, really light a fire under your butt kind of like mini convo on AI and how to ask better questions of like a chat GPT or an artificial intelligence. They also have a white paper available for download that is in the show notes below. So if that is something that interests you, if stopping being intimidated by AI is something that is interesting to you, I know it's interesting to me, be sure to download that white paper. All right, without further ado, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to turn the mic over to Hannah and Veronica of Oak Theory. Welcome, Hannah and Veronica, to Find Your Magic. Really excited to have you both. Happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) So I would love to actually get started, and either one of you can take this question with how you got started. How did you find each other? What was the story that led you guys to found Oak Theory? Hannah, you want to take this one? Sure. So it was back in 2020, um, early on January, February, that timing. And I had just moved to Oakland in California and I was in product management, working at a software company and, you know, thinking about my next steps interviewing at different places. And V and I had actually worked together at a um, at an ad tech startup together. So V was the product design and I was in product management and we worked together. And honestly, truth be told, when we first 
saw each other, we were like, wait, you're a little different. <laughs> and like within the world that we were in, in tech and then B2B and in SaaS, it's just like, you just, yeah. we look different, but we're so similar. Mm-hmm. And, but we look the most different from in, in our environment of people mm. who are around us. And so, yeah. yeah. And so we just felt really connected and just the way we, you know, the way we carry ourselves, the way we talk. Um, and so I think there was like a friendship quickly that evolved from our working together. And so, yeah. you know, we were, I was in Oakland and V was visiting and we were talking about, you know, product and our future and our careers. And we just had a moment where V, yeah, I might be skipping a few steps, but we're like, I said, Hey, I feel like it could be really powerful if we just started something together. You yeah. gotta paint the scene, girl. It was the most Cali experience straight out of a, a show, a TV show. We were like on the highway in a Jeep, <laughs> driving, cruising, crazy. And Hannah looked over at me and then she asked the question. And I was like, yeah let's go to Chick-fil-A and make a plan. <laughs> and that's all good did. things. All yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that crowded Chick-fil-A people in line over us, like talking over a sandwich and like hashing out a plan for our business. You know, mm-hmm. I love people. that. I love that. No, that's so the, the ex entertainment person in me, I was an actress and a screenwriter for 10 years. Nice. So like, the entertainment person in me loves setting the mm-hmm. scene like that. Like I have a very Barbie movie moment vibe in my head of like two girlfriends, like going down the highway and like, do you want it to start was. a business? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. but it also, you know, I think that I don't want to gloss over the mm. experience that you were having as individuals because it was so powerful that you were able to find each other and to come together, right? Because as you said, you were outliers in your industry, mm-hmm. which I know is a common experience across industries. Mm-hmm. And when we say you're a little different, we mean you are diverse. You are not a white cis male, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in the tech world, the SaaS world, the B2B world, as somebody who was in that world, can confirm very white, mostly male, and um, not a lot of room for more creative thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's Don't why you... <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I think it's so important um, to name that right mm-hmm. away because it's not... Um, it's coming from a place of truth, right? Mm-hmm. If we can't acknowledge the truth of what's happening in this moment, then we can't make anything better. Yeah. Um, and when I say better, you guys know diversity in design, like rising tide lifts all boats. It's not just about making one type of person's experience better. It actually helps all experience, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to know we can more. That, <laughs> yeah, definitely. For sure. It does, right. Like we think yeah. that we think that diversity in design is something where it's just all inclusive for everyone. But honestly, it can't be when we get into our side of business, when it gets, mm. when we start talking about products and things, because sometimes products aren't for everybody, mm. you know, yeah. but, um, 
it's still important to think and have consideration for diversity, but we'll yeah. Get there. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's close the loop on, okay. So you guys are in your Barbie movie and you <laughs> have gone to Chick-fil-A, no product placement, but you know, here we are. You're welcome. Chick-fil-A <laughs> paint if you want. And, <laughs> and you've decided, or you've planted the seed Mm-hmm. No pun intended for what oak theory is going to be planted, the totally acorn, intended. if you will, yes. of what oak theory is going to be. How did it shake out to actually come to fruition? So, yeah, I mean, what you said about just naming the truth is really important. I think because we repeat it a lot through our conversations with clients or when we're pitching ourselves, but The truth of the matter is like our services itself isn't that unique, right? There's a lot of agencies and a lot of design studios that do branding, that do web design, that do UX UI design, like we do product design, software interfaces. Like there's a lot of agencies. So service itself isn't very unique, but what's unique about when we got together, the the threat that we saw was, hey, in these rooms that we typically are a guest in at our companies, we're typically on the ground floor, right? We come in as like the expert, the design expert, the product management expert. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the folks that are, you know, giving direction or having strategic conversations, having client conversations just at the top, it typically ends up being two white guys. That's what it is. Decision makers. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there is a study from Harvard Business Review um, that said like Asian Americans, for example, are the most likely to be hired into tech. And I think we we could all kind of feel like, yeah, that's true. You see, we're a minority, but you still see a lot more representation yet we're the least likely to be able to make it to the leadership position. Wow. Yeah. And so there's kind of like stay in your lane of just being really good at what you do, very high skill set, right? And, you know, obviously in V is a black woman and it's just, there's not, when I saw her, I was like, I didn't, I don't see a lot of people who look like you. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Talk about that experience, Veronica. Um, what of just being a black woman in this industry? Yeah. I mean, yes. Um, If you don't mind, I would love to hear more about your experience because I think that, you know, as Hannah said, it is a rarer one to see. And so I think it's really valuable to hear your experience. I think, um, my experience has been growing I think I could speak for a lot of black women in our industry where we're not seen. We kind of grow a callus and a callus Mm. that just allows us to exist without having to wear that on our backs all the time. Because at the end of the day, we grew up knowing if we exist in this world, we have a saying where it's, we know that we are twice as good as we should be Mm. and as we have to be, to be there. And so we have a lot of confidence in these industries sometimes out externally internally we definitely have our struggles but um I think with me it was just I I got through it very with the callus where I just I existed Mm. in that space no one could tell me I didn't belong there and um I had to do it that way I don't know I can't speak for everyone because it's different I just know that I got here with a lot of confidence in knowing like I'm smart enough to be here yeah. And if I didn't have that confidence, I'm very positive I wouldn't be here. So yeah. 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 Being a black woman is an experience and a movement in itself. And me and Hannah say this yes. all the time. 
like, oh yeah, our company is diverse. We have that mission, but it's, it's our existence. That is that mission. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. And I think that's such a powerful image of the callus. Um, It makes me think of when I was learning guitar and anybody who's ever played guitar knows this feeling, but um, the first time you ever play guitar, your fingers, you can only do it for about two minutes before your fingers start to be just so unbelievably like they're so it's so painful like they're bruised and they start to split where the strings go in the pads of your fingers so if anybody listening can imagine like a piece of of tiny metal just like pushing and pushing and pushing into your skin over and over and over and over and the only way that you can become good at guitar is if you purposely put yourself through the pain over and over and over and over to build up a callus of like rough, dead skin. And so the, that's what I think of with the image of a callus. It's something that it's pain that you have put yourself through, whether it's like, I mean, it's obviously external pain, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. making a choice to do something that is not comfortable (laughs) over and over and over and over you normalize it. You normalize the microaggressions, you normalize those things and you just learn how to exist in it. So Mm. I got very comfortable with knowing, okay, in some meetings, people are going to be shocked that I'm there. Mm. And some meetings, people aren't going to know my position here. They're going to assume my position. And it's like, um, again, being a black woman, I can't come off too aggressive. I can't come off this way. I'm going to be looked at this way. And these are all things that you just, you kind of like, you know how to get in there and act the way you got to act. And yeah. so you're like, you know, in order to get my business done and work done, this is how I'm going to handle it. I already know how I got to handle it. And that's yeah. how, if you see videos of like in the black community, we have the videos of, uh, where we whitewash a little bit, right. Where we put on the voice. I do not mm-hmm. do that. I talk the way I talk, which honestly is a whole conversation of itself around the shock of me speaking like a regular American. Um, And then I know the things I know, which would make sense because in the career for as long as I've been, of course, I would know the things that I know. It's not anything special. You know, I didn't have any special things. So there's just this, um, it's a callous and a normalization of the micros and the the feelings of being like, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Hannah, would you say that you have a similar experience or I would love to hear your experience because I know diversity isn't one size fits all. (laughs) Like it's, Um, I think that that's such a funny, not funny, problematic, honestly, um, a bucket that a lot of people just like use the term diversity. Certainly like I still have a ton to learn, right? Like I by no means am an expert on this topic, but I do think um, the word diversity or even like DEI that became like such a catch-all phrase, um, there's so much nuance within that. And so I'd love to hear your experience, how it felt to you, how it felt in your body? Like, did you have that similar callous feeling or was it different for you? Hmm. I definitely had my own version of it. I think I would describe mine as more as like a throbbing Mm -hmm. (laughs) feeling. 
just constantly feeling like I'm throbbing, um, feeling, you know, this could be, I think for me as an Asian American woman, again, like V said, like we don't all relate to each other, right? Like we don't, we all have like, there's a lot of diversity within our communities. Yes. But for me, the, my personal experience, my personal experience shared that I was, I would, I could share is more so being taken seriously. Um, and I, I don't know, it, it might be more about of me being a woman or it might be the both layers of being a woman and an Asian woman where in society or how we're portrayed in Hollywood, there's, you know, there's submissiveness. Asian women are like softer, um, you know, in the service industry, right? There's a lot of caricature of Asian women. And so with my personality and V and I joke about, we talk about this all the time, just because our personalities are kind of stereotypically swapped. And yeah. so I could come off a lot more intense or direct or um, a little bit blunt. And that is kind of like a jarring moment for uh, folks who receive me just because the way I'm typically portrayed, how I look, isn't maybe it, it might be opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's just, you know, that's the experience I've had of just, I wanted to be myself without softening myself or yeah. I want to be myself as vocal as I am and just be accepted in that way. Um, and it's interesting. We'll get on a client conversation, right? So V is a lot more technical than I am. And she's the creative side. I'm the sales operation side of our business. And when, in the beginning of our company, like we would have client conversations and when technical things came up, they would look to me. Mm, isn't right? that and, interesting? Yeah. And like, we all have these stereotypes where right? we all have it. I'm guilty of it too. And so, but it's just interesting. And it's just, and, and V has a, like a softer way of speaking sometimes. And she's really bubbly and feminine. And I love that. Like, I, like, I don't know if you call it irony or dichotomy of just that, that with the techiness of her. I love Mm -hmm. that just because that's such a unique blend and it's something that we don't see. Um, And so I think, I mean, V, I think you have so much magic because of that, but anyways, back to, yeah, I think I water me, you give me that magic. Okay. It's definitely Hannah sells herself short sometimes, but like there's a magic to us together. And that's what makes, I think, Oak Oak Mm. is we'll have these conversations and Mm. we'll organize each other's brains in a way. And Mm. I think that was the beauty of us working together in the first place. There was a magic to us being like, let's talk about this product and the way we can handle both sides of it from the strategic side, building things out to the creative side of, you know, how it needs to be built out and the ways in which we could build it out. And there's a, a structure to the way our brains work and there's a harmony to mm. it that I love so much. Like, yeah, well, and this is my hunch. Tell me if I'm right. That harmony probably allows for a lot more creativity and a lot more problem solving and a lot cooler product design yeah. Because you aren't maybe as focused on the throbbing or the callus that you 100%. might be in a different environment. Am I am I on the right track? You're so much on the right track that just think about this right now, right? We are running a product and design studio. We're making amazing things. But one of the biggest things that stands out to just us right now is the fact that we are an Asian and Black woman. 
and our experience in that. And that's something that we are fighting to change because we're normalizing it. When we have meetings and they do experience Hannah's side and they experience my side and they see something different, it's normal to them now. It's not something that they've never seen before. And it's the same with the team that we're building where we have a team. And I love when we introduce different people on the team and like, oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, this is very normal to have a um, Black uh, product manager speaking to the technicals of this and to that. And it's very normal for you to have an Asian female account manager who can put this everything together, like nothing and confidently. And it's super normal for them to experience those things. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge change that needs to happen and that we're, we're fighting to make happen. We're like, we're living it. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, I love that so much. I love it so much. We can't normalize it until we do it for the first time. Yes. Over <laughs> I think and over and over again. Over and over and over again. And, you know, so much of what y'all are saying, it makes me think of actually my time in Hollywood. And so I was an actress for a very long time. And whenever you go in to get a job, you are pretending to be somebody, right? You're literally going in and you're like, this is the character and I need to make myself present in the room even before I read the script as close to this character as possible so that the leap isn't that far for them to make me more likely to get their attention and then to get this job. I, God, I could go on for hours about how women, but particularly women of color are the best actresses in the world because like it's unfortunately so normalized and to like put on, you know, a persona, a character, if you will, because you know, I'm going to be as Hannah, as you said, like, I'm going to be received differently right? People are going to give me, I forget the exact words you use, but like the respect and attention, right? Like they're going to take me seriously, I believe is what you said. And it's, um, it's so beautiful to see women of color taking themselves seriously as they are without any of that performance. Because again, hunch, don't know if this is true, but I'm sure putting that down probably felt pretty uncomfortable. Like even just what you said, V, about normalizing it and walking into a room and being like, yes, it is normal to have this black manager and this Asian person and and just like being unapologetic about it. I don't think we wake up being unapologetic. I think we have to learn it for ourselves, right? Yeah. In situations. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Yeah. Was there, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Was there fear at all when you guys like left your, your previous worlds or was it just like pure excitement? I was excited. I was, I was so excited. Fed up. Yeah, we were done. <laughs> I was just like going to, like you said, Kelsey, I think it's like, if you're also, this is the entrepreneurial part of us. It's like, sure. oh my God, this is like, this is where we need to be. Um, mm-hmm. Not just being like women of color, but just us running our own shit. Like that's yeah. where we yeah. needed to be and where we felt the most at home. Yeah. And so finding that, but also I think, V, I think about this a lot, like finding each other in that so that mm-hmm. we can 
hold space for each other, right? Yeah. Like even last night when we were, I was talking about something that I feel really uncomfortable doing. Yeah. And it's not that you just wake up fearless just because yeah. you're you know, yeah. your own and it's just having the support system. And while there aren't a lot of folks who look like us, like we're constantly searching for mentors for people who like we could feel inspired by that look like us. But a lot of times like we have to hold each other to that and just be that safe space for each other um, so that we can get out of our own way. But it really just doesn't come just naturally, you know, like any of us, right? We all have a story with something that's holding us back or our own projections, but yeah, I mean, and we have that with our team and that's the most beautiful part to see. We have folks who come onto our team who've had very different experiences, um, toxic ones, ones where mm-hmm. they were very pigeonholed into a certain character. And this yeah. is true for like whether you're a person of color or not, like depending on your personality, if you're an introvert, extrovert. And we really say like, hey, like you have to be yourself to be really successful and like maybe we'll like, maybe this is the right place for you. Maybe it's not, but you have to show up as yourself and we hold each other to really high expectations with our work. So Mm -hmm. it's not one or the other, right? But we've had like people on our team tell us they're having like big identity changes by just watching, by just watching VNI in meetings, talking to clients that they would be intimidated to talk to in a certain manner. We're talking like super chill, like whatever. And I get that that's the privilege of being founders, right? We're at the sea where we're going to gain some type of respect differently, but we're also showing by example that you don't have to like swap your personality to get you know, respect or whitewash your converse, like the way you speak and metaphors and all these things, you know, in a room full of white guys, which has been, you know, what we had to do to survive. And I respect that, that you have to do it, but we're trying to set a new tone of you can be yourself and it's a collaborative partnership and we have an expertise that we bring. We did good work and we're going to be ourselves doing it. Yeah. And it's like, I think we offer a new environment because um, we are their first women of color bosses. Almost, I think 90% yeah. of our employees, like we, it's the first time that they've, yeah. they've experienced that. Right. And then on top of it being women, we've had one employee so far who has had a female founder work for mm-hmm. a company. It was female founded, but in our space, it doesn't happen as often. And so that's new for them too. Yeah. And, they'll tell us, as Hannah said, it feels different. And it's because of course it will. We come from a place of seeing how it worked and making sure that we don't repeat those patterns. Yeah. That's so beautiful in so many ways. And it leads me to ask a question that's probably really annoying, (laughs) (laughs) which is what can people who are not women of color in leadership positions who genuinely want to do a better job. Is there anything that you would tell them of like, make sure you don't do this or make sure that this pattern isn't showing up in the environment that you're in charge of? I would say um, to take responsibility for their own actions and times are changing and there's really no excuse right for us to keep having to as a black woman as an asian woman to keep having to explain to people how to treat us mm-hmm. or keep having to explain how to understand 
or have empathy or understand that there is an importance in diversity. I mean, on every scale, business, when we talk numbers, we can see that numbers work well on a diverse scale. Okay. We can see yeah. that, you know, there's money in all, all uh, demographic groups. And so it's, I think, I think there's a lot of um, responsibility and accountability that needs to be had when it comes to those conversations and it shouldn't be on the backs of us yeah. anymore. We're in 2023. Go on YouTube, look things up, make friends of other ethnicities. If you don't have any, that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? That's if right. you're looking at what's normal and what's normal to you is white culture, then there's your big problem because that means you're not familiar with what's happening in the world. You're not familiar with other cultures. Expose yourself. But I think um, one thing I would, I tell my friends, I tell my white friends when this happens, because, you know, Black Lives Matter movement happened, Asian Life Matter movement happened. I think me and Hannah both had to deal with the, what do I do? What do I do? And it's like, I don't know how to tell you how to stop being that way towards me. Cause mm-hmm. I'm just existing. I'm not doing anything to cause this. I didn't create this. So how would I know how you're going to change it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, I would say, look, in, it's, it's coming from inside the house. Like that's where the problem's at. Figure it out there. And then <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. Let me know. I love that. No, it's yeah. true. I, I see it a lot of uh, particularly white people, white men, usually of super um, defensive stance, I would say, where they're like, well, I want to be better, but um, like, this is me trying, right? Versus just being. And I think, as you said, like, if someone really needs that first step, just think about like, what can you do to burst your own bubble? Exactly. You know, what can you do to expand, expose yourself to different life experiences? Um, Maybe pay some extra attention to whether or not someone who is diverse on your team is getting those same promotions, is getting the same um, time at the mic. That's a big one that I see a lot, like um, asking questions and Yeah. Being willing to burst your own bubble would be just the overall way I'd put it. It's a journey. And Mm -hmm. even with you, I can see it's still a journey. Oh yeah. If, if I feel like if others can't figure it out, I can't figure it out for them Mm -hmm. because I'm still, I'm trying to do my journey of just existing. Right. Mm -hmm. All I ask for is respect, understanding that, um, I would say just I, I really don't know because it's it's not my problem. I exist and I exist confidently. Be comfortable with it. I'm yeah. going to be in, in your worlds. I'm going to be in those meetings. I'm going to talk the way I talk. Be comfortable with it. And if there's a discomfort, that's not a me problem. And right. I'm sure there's other people who have like other things to say and missions and lists on what white people can do to be allies and all that stuff. But I think in business, it's, it's just grow a thicker skin and, and be better. Grow your own callus, right? You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. 
we have teams, we have a diverse team and we see the men, especially the white guys who come into our, into our environments, they struggle sometimes with it. It's, Mm -hmm. there's ego that's involved. There's, um, just what they're used to, you know, and, um, it takes tweaking to get them out of it. And it's a struggle. And sometimes it's hard even for me to have to sit there and be like, to have that same level of empathy. But if I can do that, if I can understand, they can do it too. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. What would you say to maybe someone who's listening to this, who feels similarly to either of you because they are marginalized in some way and they are in an environment where they feel that callous or that throbbing, would you have any, any words for them? Yeah. I, I was saying this to someone recently. Um, so we, so a really powerful stat that we recently pulled, we looked up how many product UX UI design studios there are in the world. And then we looked at, it was like 20,000 around there. And then we looked at what percentage of them are owned and operated by women of color? Just curious. Mm. And then we got the number to 0.1%. That wow. was the stat we got back, 0.1%. And so that's where we go back. Because sometimes like VNL also get into, we have to be like, get it right every single time with all of our business decisions or the way we, you know, we're just trying to figure it out too. But there's this kind of extra pressure of like, we better do it well though, because we're, a 0.1%, but it, it was a good reminder that just existing and just being is an advocacy on, of itself and it's a movement of itself. And so what I would say when I talk to, and when I do talk to other, you know, folks who may be a minority in their industry or the way they look in their industry or wanting to start a business, um, even entrepreneurship is a, it's a small percentage, right? Um, and even women, there's only 20, 20% of all businesses are run by women. And of that, only 2% do a revenue of a million dollars or more. And so it's still, it's a small number. And so you're going to feel like one of the only ones. And I yeah. think to me, that's a sign of then do it because do it anyway mm-hmm. and do it because you're the only one, because you have to pave the path for someone else next door to see like, oh my gosh, she looks like me and she does this. Like what's more empowering than that? And so for me, when we feel like we're the only ones or we can't see like how it was done before us, it's like more of a sign to Mm -hmm. do it anyway and not put the extra pressure. And I think women feel this way a lot of doing, you know, doing it two times as well. Cause we feel it cause we don't see a lot of us to see enough mistakes happening. And so I would say that's, that would be my, I told this to someone last week. I was like, if you feel like the only one, you, that's a good sign that you should be, do, yeah. you should be the one doing it. Yeah. Mm. Find the power in it. There's a power in us existing. Yeah. Mm. And one thing we tell people, it's like, well, what makes us different? Cause yeah, a lot of people do offer our services, but they're mm. not us. They don't have our perspective. Right. right. And especially right. in UX UI perspective mm. is like the hugest part <laughs> and yes. understanding perspective and having especially coming from where we both come from, mm-hmm. where we're looking up at everything that happens because we're not looked at. So we have to look at everything else. That's a huge um, plus to to who's going to be doing your research and who's going to care about your product in a different way. So 
find their strength in being different. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't underestimate yourself. You're there for a reason. You busted your ass to get there. You busted your ass to get there. And most of us, most of us women who are in some of these rooms where we don't see ourselves, bitch, pat yourself on the back. That's right. right? And make sure that you bust your ass so you can get more of us in there. That's mm-hmm. it. You're in there. You're in that room. Unlock that door. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. I love that so much, just a wealth of experience. And I'm really humbled and really grateful at how vulnerable both of you were open to being today, but also how strong and what incredible examples. And I'm super moved and just really, really grateful that we had this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Truly. Of course. And like, Maybe next time, right, when we do have something like this, or you do talk to other women of color in our industry, focus on that a little bit, because we're so much more than that. We are in this industry, and yeah, we exist because, you know, we have our mission, but we're really fucking good at what we do, and that's why we're here. Yeah. You know, like, we do good work, and we have really valuable things to say about our industry. And that is what's most important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I would actually love to talk a little bit about what is UX and UI, because for someone who doesn't know immediately about user experience and about what goes into creating that, I would actually love, if you wouldn't mind, for you guys to give just a little bit of a taste of what does that entail? So UX UI, UX stands for user experience and UI stands for user interface. And some people would say, I've seen this online before. Someone was like, if you had a car, the car itself is the UI and the driving and how you drive it is the UX. And so it's similar to that. And so for um, a lot of people who might be content creators or um, yeah, content creators, and you're using these tools to create videos or content, let's think um, TikTok, right? The UX experience is how it feels, how easy it is to post a video, how easy it is to go find a filter. Those are the things that are the experience, how you click it, how it feels when it pops up, how it feels when you're seeing layouts and you're seeing images that are easy to understand. The UI is how it looks. And so that would be what the button looks like, what the play and pause slider looks like, right? So those are the UI experiences. And so that's the difference. It's just the feeling of it, how it feels to do it, how it makes you feel versus what it looks like visually. And both of those work together really beautifully. And there's a harmony in that because it's like, it creates the whole experience. Mm. I love that because I think the best design is almost... Not that you don't notice it, but that mm, it's, true. you know, it becomes, it, it comes naturally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's super apparent. Like if you're using an app, for example, I love the idea of the filter, like how easy it is to find a filter. If it's hard for you, if it doesn't come naturally and you're like having to look up a bunch of stuff about how do I freaking get this thing to do the thing that it's supposed to do, that's not 
great user experience. It's not great user design. So thinking about, I think it's really valuable, especially because a lot of listeners are business owners, not just like, what does your customer want from, but rather like, what is their overall experience of every piece? Cause you do website design as well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it all comes together. And exactly as you said, and it's, that's where it's like knowing your audience, right? So mm. maybe you have a site that's built more for an older demographic versus a younger. And so you're going to do different things. You're going to use different colors. Your buttons are going to look different. Your experience is going to be different. And so not everything is built the same, but you have to still understand like who is going to be using your tool. And that's where that comes in, where diversity in all forms, age, sex, religion, uh, the culture, right? All yeah. of it is is different. So yeah. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> That's so true. I'm I'm laughing because right now I'm thinking of um I recently had to sit down with my mom who is 72 and she just started using Zoom more regularly and um like really walking her through you know, you have to click this button and you have to do this button. And you're like, just thinking about all the diversity of age is especially with technology. Yes. What a challenge. I can imagine. And, you know, we, we have challenges like that. And so Mm -hmm. it's like doing research, right. With your mom, it would be looking at Mm -hmm. what 70 or even 65 to 80 year olds are Mm -hmm. used to. Right. Mm. And so we'd be like, what are they used to seeing? What do they usually look at outside of what we look at every day? Because we'll know. We'll know what a hamburger menu is. They will not know what a hamburger menu is. Fair, because yeah. they that, right? Yeah. So it's like those things are really important because if you're if you're most of your demographic is that, that's what you have to consider. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Hannah, would you how does that affect what you do, like taking all of those things into consideration, like your role in the company? Mm, Well, so within my role, I have to be able to speak to that to our clients. And so it's a little bit of education learning curve too sometimes. And so we always say, hey, like you're working with us as a studio. We are experts in UX, UI, but the UX part, we have to rely on your customers to tell us. So we have to be really good listeners, right? So we'll do user research. We talk about what can we do to make sure that we really center the person behind on the other side of the screen. And so that we don't create a product that becomes like, well, this startup joined forces with this studio and created the best looking product that doesn't resonate with anyone. Right. Like, so we're really, really (laughs) conscious of, you know, who are your users? We just did this with a tech company in LA. Um, And we're interviewing seniors and caretakers. Like, we don't have that perspective. Like, maybe through anecdotal, like, knowing a friend, but we don't. And so we really have to be really good listeners and to kind of put our ego aside, even in design choices or in in any decisions of, like, well, we're hearing that 80% of caregivers feel this way. We might think this is the best, you know, design option for how it looks, but it's not going to be functional. And so um, we just really make sure to guide our clients when we're doing client conversations and sales, that that's how we make our decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that that's a big part of, you know, how we make sure that we make our designs and products best for their users. And at the end of it, that's what, who we're servicing. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. And it only serves, it serves everybody to Mm. create in that way because then the product is going to be a lot more successful. And um, can you speak for a moment to like user adoption and retention as it relates to design? Because I can imagine that like that would be a really great um like empirical evidence, right? That the research is working or that it's translating. Is there any sort of way that we can think about, you know, if users are falling off after a month or they're not, you know, mm. extending the the 30-day trial or if their website isn't converting? Well, there's sometimes we like to do retros and we like to do like um after something launches, we want to see how it's working. And so with new technologies like heat maps and data analytics in general, you're able to see what they're clicking on, where they're falling off. And that's where we come back in and we say, okay, we can see that it looks like a majority of people aren't even scrolling past the second fold, which is when Mm. you scroll like twice, right? Or we can see that a lot of people don't get to the additional pages. They're only staying here. And so from there, that's where it goes back into the research. Why? How can we stop this? Mm. Let's study someone looking at the site. What are they seeing that's not allowing them to continue on this journey. And so those are things that for sure happen. And that's like the evolution of anything, right? When you look at Instagram and how it used to be versus where it's at now, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing them saying, hey, looks like a lot of people don't even know that this feature exists. Why? Let's go back into strategy or UX. Let's figure this out, create a journey that leads them to it and see how that works. Mm. So we do that a lot of... um, what is it called? Like recalibrating maybe, or kind of it's recalibrating. There's a term for it, but yeah. 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 We call it like iteration. We always say like everything is an iteration and Kelsey, you know, this from being a copy doing copywriting is like, you know, when it's like the copy is being preachy to me or they're really centering my pain points and talking. Mm -hmm. And when I feel like there's really good copywriting and marketing, it's like, Oh my God, how did they know? That's what I was feeling when I got onto this site. Mm -hmm. And so that's a similar experience we want to get from the design perspective. It's like, Oh my God, so easy. I know exactly where to go. It's, you know, our user journey and copy is a huge part of it. Copy and content is huge. It's images, copy placement, buttons, colors, all of these things work really well together in harmony to give an experience that makes the customer feel like I know exactly it's intuitive. I don't have to, read anything to understand how to utilize this product. Yeah. It's like both, right? It's the, I feel super seen and oh my God, you're in my head. And also I know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. Both. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I know that you guys are writing a white paper and Mm -hmm. would you like to talk about that topic? And then if people want to download that white paper, we can put the link in the show notes and also on social, but I'd love to know, um, what you guys are going to be sharing. Yeah. So we have been getting a lot of questions around AI naturally, and that's something that we're constantly, you know, we have team meetings about it on Monday on how can we be in front of the curve and how do we utilize it to our best Um, to leverage ourselves and our company and our business and our services. And so that's what we're writing on, on, especially for other small business owners or other entrepreneurs. There are so many tools out there. It seems like all of a sudden it's booming. It's everywhere. It's intimidating. It's scary. It could feel there's a lot of fear on new technology, I think. And so 
Um, we're right putting something together to help one educate and help make it easy to understand, but also giving tactical steps and tools on how you can make it um, a part of your business to help optimize your business. And so examples are AI tool. I think the way we speak about MV might be better at talking about this than I am, but you got to see it as like your friend who uh, V says like never sleeps, doesn't need caffeine and has a ton of ideas, but they have a lot of ideas. Doesn't mean it really catches. And so it's just really utilizing the tool to help you further explore, further brainstorm and refine um, what you're already working on. And so, you know, it could really help small business owners you know, not have to hire a certain skill set or maybe use AI for QAing instead of hiring someone for QA if you're really like strapped, right? And so mm -hmm. seeing it as an advantage and, you know, a tool to help you become more efficient. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. V, did you have anything to add to that? No, that's like, you know, um, it's just, uh, yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Just how, awesome. it in, how AI can impact your business, how AI can help and how mm -hmm. to use it as a, a tool instead of the scary thing where you're like, what is this? It's more like, no, let it in, let it learn about you. And it can kind of help guide, you know, it's that intern that you have that, you know, you're like, well, now that it knows me and now that it knows how to do these things, let's see what magic I can make from it. And so we kind of go into that because mm -hmm. every business is different. Every business has different needs. And so AI is so huge. There's so much you can do. So it goes into thinking about that and creating your own prompts and algorithm for your, for your AI. Yes. Which I mean, what an incredible resource, because as you said, that intimidation factor before we hit record, I was talking about that with me. Mm. I have, I'm calling myself out, like holding myself back with AI because it just, it's like, I have to remember that I have to keep coming back to it and training it. Perfect mm -hmm. word V as an intern, as my like assistant mm -hmm. um, and helping it learn me as I learn it so that it can be like this mutually beneficial relationship, right? Because it's something that you can harness the power of. I intellectually know that. And so there's something like, mindset or internal of like, okay, why do I feel so intimidated that I'm not letting myself learn this? And so what you guys are providing with this white paper is, is so valuable because it's both, right? It's explaining what it is. It's explaining the possibilities, but it sounds like it's also giving some practical actionable tips, which exactly. I think everyone can appreciate. Yes. And I'll just note this. Don't be afraid of AI. If you don't know how to let it know you, ask it. That's the power of AI. If you're like, well, what am I supposed to tell it so it can know about me? Ask it. Hey, what do you, hey, I do this. This is what I am trying to do. What kind of questions should you, or should I answer for you, for you to know better about me? Mm. Talk to it and try those kind of things with it because it's, it's a tool to help you. And it can conversate with you. And that's the difference, honestly, between the new 3.0 versus 4.0. The 4.0 is a little better with those things, but talk to it like it's like it's a human. I have never heard that me? before. That is so cool <laughs> because yeah. I think that there's, that's part of the intimidation factor is I just don't even know what I need to type into the thing. Mm -hmm. Like I know it's here. The blinking cursor of death is here. <laughs> talk to it like it's sitting there and you're like, okay, 
what do I need to ask you so I can get this? Mm, that's right? so cool. I I am looking for uh, research on such and such. This is what I do. This is what I'm looking for. I don't know. But like, just be like, what kind of questions do I need to ask for you to answer this in the most efficient way possible? And it will give you questions. And you answer those questions. And then you say, based on, with 4.0, you can just continue the conversation. Based on these answers that I have just given you, can you tell me how to do such and such? Mm, and it will awesome. feed, it will continuously feed. It's a conversation. Have a conversation with AI. Love that. Yeah. I love that. I feel inspired. Thank you. Yay. I'm going to do Bye. it after And then this. let us know. Let us know. I will. How- yeah. yeah. I will. Thank you guys so much for everything that we talked about for all of the incredible knowledge and experience and stories and (laughs) tips. I mean, God, this, I don't know if anybody is uh, familiar with the SNL character, Stefan, but he was, (laughs) remember Stefan? That's how I feel like (laughs) this episode has everything. Everything. (laughs) AI questions. Jeeps, California Freebase. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Buy me. So thank you guys so much. And again, their company is Oak Theory. I will have all of the links so that you can learn more about what they do. Please contact them if there is something that you have, a project that you have with design, UX, UI, websites, they do it all. So definitely keep Hannah and V on your radar. I'm certainly going to. And thank you guys again so, so much for today. Thank you, you, Kelsey. Thanks so much. Bye. All right, y'all know I'm about to ask you to subscribe to Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you found us today. It truly helps podcasters pay their teams, find better guests, and give you good content. So if you want to hear more conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship, be sure to subscribe to Find Your Magic and leave us a review. Thanks for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.